Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In both cases, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Betsy Gardner-Eckbert. Betsy is the president and CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, where, full disclosure, I have the privilege of serving on the board of directors. Betsy assumed her role in 2017 after several successful business ventures here and in the United Kingdom. She's on just about every list of influential women in our community and serves on numerous community boards. So, Betsy, thank you so much for being with us here on Rollins Around Town. Well, it's a privilege to be here, not least because it took me about two minutes to drive here. I'm on Rollins as a pedestrian on Rollins campus every day walking my dog. And Rollins is woven into the fabric of my enjoyment of Winter Park and certainly part of of our business priorities here at the Chamber of Commerce. I'd love to hear that. Thanks. You were here with us last week, in fact, and so we were together at this time when we launched uh, Talk of the Town, a new show uh, and podcast uh, collaboration between the city, the chamber, and Rollins. What's uh, What's been the take? What's, what's, what's the market saying in your space? I think people really liked the unified presence of the business community and city government coming together because um, they're intertwined. And so it makes sense to present that as a whole. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of points of collaboration where we work in tandem with the city government where one plus one can equal three instead mm-hmm. of two. And so it was uh, it's we're very fortunate. Uh, to have a business-minded mayor who's very welcoming of new, fresh ideas about how to support the business community, which has certainly sustained a number of injuries as a result of COVID. Uh, And so it makes sense for us to start making strategic plans together, and that's what we're doing. The mayor and I probably text several times a week just sharing ideas, and so it was nice to have a a formal space for us to set aside and start to discuss projects that are of interest to everyone in this community. That's great. Well, that will be the third Wednesday of, uh, of every month. So uh, be sure you check in to talk of the town with the city and the chamber in Rollins. So let's talk about you. Um, what, what, give us your short version of, your, of, of Betsy Gardner-Eckbert. I mean, I know you, you pretty much have deep, deep roots here in Winter Park and uh, University of Florida, but sort of what, what's, what's your short story of who you are and how you got to, to your role as president and CEO of the Winter Park Chamber? Well, I was... I I came here at age 11. Um, So that was a long time ago. I'm not going to say exactly how long ago, but it was several decades ago. (laughs) And we came here under a really cool auspice, which was that my father, who was a seasoned collegiate band director, was hired to start the marching band program at UCF. And we had lived at University of Maryland. And I, I mean lived like on the campus. We were on the campus all the time as children. Um, And that was a very traditional, very seasoned band program. And we came here for this extremely 
um, humble upstart, right. you know, experience. And it's really cool to see the marching band at UCF now. They have their own practice facility. They have these fancy uniforms. They're part of this big football program. And, of course, uh, my father, who's now deceased, would be extremely proud of that. So yeah. it was a really fun, interesting way to arrive in Central Florida. I grew up as a musician myself, but knew at age 14 that would not be my professional pursuit. Um, And I graduated from Winter Park High School. So I'm essentially a Winter Park girl, uh, even though I wasn't born here. I went to the University of Florida and was fortunate that I had a mom that was a civic leader. And so I think leadership was always kind of in my blood, but so was entrepreneurship through what I watched my dad do. You know, it was just pulled something up out of nothing. And it was probably in my blood from that as well. And um, I've been attached to kind of the political scene in Winter Park since, I don't know, 1997. Um, watched that from afar for many years, but grew up being in the Christmas parade that the Chamber of Commerce puts on. All kinds of hokey, small town, hammy <laughs> features. I have them all. Right. Uh, and then I had a career in sales and marketing for a large uh, pharmaceutical company and then uh, raised children for 13 years and stayed home and exited the workforce for a while and then uh, moved to London with my family where I worked for a consulting firm and then started my own uh, international company. We sold luxury swimwear for children that was UV protective in 14 countries Um, and then moved back here. Uh, And when the role (laughs) at the chamber opened, I thought, you know, this is an interesting time for chambers of commerce and it's going to require an entrepreneurial skill set and some knowledge of how city politics work and those were two things in my toolkit so I decided to go for it and it's been a privilege to lead the chamber through a time of extreme disruption and change and chambers of commerce as you well know because you led one uh, they have to innovate or they are going to be on the chopping block. Yeah, and so sure. we have to do things very, very differently. Chambers used to be the only game in town and the kingmakers, and that's hmm. they're not the only game in town anymore. And so we have to respect and understand that. There's still a leadership role for us to play, but we have to acknowledge that there are other people that are in the orchestra as well, yeah. and we need to work with them. So it's been a privilege to assemble a team there, to work with our board of directors, And um, certainly it was the rare and singular privilege to help lead this community through the past two years, which have been years of unparalleled difficulty. No question. Um, And and you've done an amazing job. Talk just first about the core mission of the chamber. You you do a very good job of that at events and uh, almost any public setting that you're at is making sure people know what the chamber is and does. Well, it's really interesting because sometimes we'll ask people, hey, do you know what a chamber of commerce (laughs) does? And they sort of have these blank and apologetic (laughs) looks on their faces because they think they're supposed to, but they don't really know. And so it's our job to educate people on what we do and the gaps that we fill. And, you know, I wasn't a good soccer player, but I grew up as a soccer player. And I love the idea of the sweeper on the team who's got to make sure that balls move forward and no balls move behind that person, you know, and that's kind of the role the chamber plays. We're a backstopping organization. So we will go in and do things that the public sector can't or won't do. And we will go in and do things that the private sector can't or won't do. Mm. Technically, we are a 501c6 nonprofit. Um, that means we're a membership organization with the ability to lobby. Um, we take that roll very seriously and try not to do that too much but there are things that we care about we can talk about that later that we do lobby on but we receive dues um, revenues we host 110 events and programs a year and then 
We also do things to engage with our community through pure marketing support. So we've changed our business model significantly, but our mission is uh, to really simple. It's to convene the community. And it's really for this double bottom line benefit that we always talk about. We want the benefit to not just be commercial and economic, but we want it to be, you know, have a community dividend as well. So how do we lift our whole community by raising our business um, community as well? And so that's that's our job is to bring the community together around ideas um, and around certain you know people who are doing interesting things that need our support, visionaries. And so that's what we do. And yeah. we ask our youth leaders every summer who are in high school, what do you think a chamber of commerce does? And we get the, the blank stares. <laughs> so we try to make sure people know what we're all about every time we see them or have the chance to see them. But we're here to support the business community, to grow it, to strengthen it, prosper it. But we don't want to attach to things that aren't context-specific for Winter Park. We don't want to canyonize Fairbanks Avenue with six-story apartments and things like that. That just wouldn't be wouldn't be respectful of the kind of ethos that's here in Winter Park. And we want to make sure that we're always shooting things through that lens and yeah. making sure it's specific to how we live here. So who's, who's a member of the chamber? And, and I ask it because there's a term that I learned in 2002 when I was in your seat and my board chair was a woman named Lydia Gardner. And she would tell me about civic rent mm-hmm. and that these businesses had an obligation, in essence, to contribute and to participate and to be a part of the of the business community and the role that the chamber played of convening, you know, people and, and issues. Um, how has that evolved, you know, since uh, your mom, who was the board chair and uh, an amazing public leader and uh, um, um mentor to me in, in my role at the chamber. She changed the legacy of the chamber, which we can talk about later, but um, talk a little bit about civic rent. Well, first of all, I want to say I love that we have the shared experience of reporting into Lydia Gardner. <laughs> and right. I recall anytime your name was mentioned, she would say in her Midwestern accent, oh, I just love that Sam. So she was your biggest fan as I well. You know, and I would have to actually, uh, I would say, broaden my mother's definition of that. I think the world has changed so much since 2002. And I actually want to put a marker in on that for a minute. You know, our city underwent a visioning exercise in 2016, which was a very valuable exercise. But the problem with that is that in 2016, two things that we deal with or hear about every single day did not exist. Snapchat (laughs) and TikTok. So I'm using that to illustrate how much and how quickly the world has changed. And if we don't innovate and keep up with that level, and and these are, these are, blockbuster moments that are coming through TikTok. I remember going to a cosmetic store last month and I walked in and this woman looked forlorn and she said, are you here for the Peter Thomas Roth mask? And I said, no, I'm here for my regular mascara. She goes, oh, thank God, because we sold out of it three days ago and everyone's so mad. And I said, why? (laughs) She said, somebody put it up on TikTok and that's it. And I just thought, this is how the world works now. We have to respect that. Now, we know that people do want to pay civic rent, but we also have to accept that that's not the only way that people want to engage with the chamber. We are grateful that there are people that understand, and I agree with my mother, it is your duty to do that. Um, Our business community rises together, it falls together, and we need people to invest in that and make sure that the lights are on and we have a staff to maintain a business presence here because we have very well-meaning leaders in Winter Park that 
policymaking comes with unintended consequences yeah. sometimes. And if the chamber is not on top of that, there could be things that actually make doing your business here very onerous. And we're always on the lookout for that and ready to negotiate to, to kind of pull away from those kinds of decisions that would make that difficult. Well, that costs money because we have to staff people to do that. So that idea of civic rent is very, very important. I would say that is not the only way to think about being a member of a chamber. Now, we know that there are people that want to give to the chamber, and those are the civic rent kind of minded people. We know there's people that want to get something from the chamber and that's okay. You no. should expect your chamber of commerce to report out onto you what you can expect from giving financial consideration for being a member. And so we've done a much better job of elucidating that. It also helps that in 2002, we didn't collect data very well, but we collect data extremely well right. now. It's very easy to do that. And so we can tell that value story better and we can give something to the people that want to get something from the chamber. And then there's people that want to be next to the chamber because they want their brand to be burnished with a sense of civic presence. And so I think that we understand now that not every, we call our members customers, not every customer with us has the same vision of what they need from us. And so we want to adapt and customize a solution for each one of our members. Um, and some of our members are, just want search engine optimization from us, and they never want to show up to an event or be part of anything. And that's okay, because we know that there are a lot of people who experience life virtually now, and we should have a solution for them. Yeah. And so we do. So I would say absolutely my mother's ethos is a foundational principle of how you should look at your chamber of commerce. Right. But we also have to go a little bit further than that. So it's been interesting to reflect on that because I think if she were still with us I would say well mom yes but that's the base of the pyramid and then there's other other elements to it as well now yeah, as well for sure um, just a, a small tribute she was one of the um, she was the one who really created and emphasized the Winter Park uh, resident of the year the citizen of the year award uh, and made that a, a much bigger deal than it ever was and um, now appropriately it's named the lydia gardner citizen of the year award for winter park which i just love and um, cherish my times and my memories with her um from a strategic marketing standpoint you know you talk about the the diversity of your members goals and uh, and reasons for joining how do you how do you as an organization communicate with each of the each of those stakeholder groups who might have different you know um goals and ambitions of, of trying to get a, an ROI from their chamber membership. Yeah, I sometimes I envy people that are just working for the <laughs> bourbon distillers of Kentucky, right. and they all have a shared common purpose. And, you know, we have a heterogeneous membership body. And that means that we have 800 different kinds of businesses that are with us and they're different sizes and they're owned by different gendered people and everything's different. Yep. And I think our diversity is what makes us strong. But I also think that, again, we do have to come up with different ways to communicate with people. And that's why we have a social media presence on Snapchat, Twitter. We're not on TikTok yet. Um, I'm hoping we can <laughs> right. hold that off for a little while but because uh, it's a little controversial. But, you know, we communicate 
primarily through Facebook and Instagram, but also we've got a huge amount of growth on LinkedIn and we're starting to realize the power of that medium for us as well. Uh, and then uh, we do a lot of newsletter marketing, but we can customize even our newsletters. So we do a lot of custom communication that way. And then we love having opportunities to get in front of people with video so we can show and tell what maybe some of the issues are. And then moments like this where we can, you know, get out through podcasts and, and share the message about what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, I think the name of the game in communication is customization. I mean, my kids don't want to, with due respect to Facebook, that they're, they roll their eyes when you say Facebook to them. They don't want to receive information on Facebook, but the people in my age group do. And so we've got to understand and appreciate that we've got customers, we say from 18 to 80, of course, we've got customers older than 80, but we, we are in that sweet spot of 18 to 80. And we want to make sure that we're giving something to you on the channel that you want to receive it. Yeah. Talk about some of the top, uh, you know, either business or community initiatives that are that are front and center at the chamber right now. You mentioned 110 events and programs. Obviously, those are all great and, and important and, and valuable. What's is there any particular effort or initiative that's uh, that's driving you in the chamber right now? Yeah, uh, and I'm really grateful for. The way our community came together last year, and we have a foundation, a 501c3 foundation at the chamber, as you well know, um, that we opened up as a target for philanthropy last year because we knew that the independent sector, which is us, was going to have to step in and play a role that it never played before. What that role was, we didn't know at right. the very emergence of COVID, but we we knew that we were going to open up a fund to receive funds to sort of just scan and figure out what the most immediate needs were. And I'm grateful for the people that contributed to that, the foundations that contributed to that. That initiative was called Thrive Winter Park because when um, – when people talk about resiliency, thriving is the goal. When people talk about babies, thriving is the goal, right? And so we want to thrive out of something that we don't understand and we have no idea. Unfortunately, we still don't know what where the end date to this right. thing is. And so we last year started this Thrive Initiative. I'm grateful to people like you that sat on many Zoom calls from my kitchen where we talked about <laughs> how do we how do we meet the needs. And we started playing this role of identifying needs and bringing in expert um, subject matter experts to help us understand what those needs are. And last year, we funded an economic impact study where we learned a lot about our local economy. And our local economy is super, super strong and diverse and certainly higher education. um, Looking at you, Rollins, um, plays a huge part of our local economy because you have so many educated workforce contributors here and people who are buying sandwiches on Park Avenue and buying clothes and buying gas and everything that goes into our sales tax revenues, et cetera. So higher education and education are a big part of our sector. We also have healthcare, of course, Advent Health Winter Park and other healthcare facilities, including the Women's Pavilion with uh, Orlando Health on Fairbanks. And then we also have a huge financial services sector, which we observed in that study and professional services and then restaurant retail. So when that study took place, we observed uh, a quarter of economic impact that was lost during the shutdown. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to note that over $800 million of GDP vanished in that quarter. So what that says is several things. Ouch. That's a really big blow. The other thing is um, that's a huge amount of loss to measure, indicating that we have a very robust little economy here in Winter Park. 
So we have to accept the fact that even though it's robust, and people do believe that Winter Park is sort of Teflon-coated and insulated from economic hardship, uh, it came to town. And so we've once again started to look at the fact that we're not out of this. And certainly during the Delta surge, we kind of got the band back together and started thinking about how do we meet emergent needs. And one of the emergent needs that I felt was unmet was this idea of showing gratitude and support for our healthcare workers. You know, um, our hospitals are struggling. People are quitting in this great resignation. They just don't want to do seven shifts a week of 12 hours a piece just to try to meet the need that a single diagnosis is putting on that healthcare system. So, <coughs> excuse me, first and foremost, we wanted to send meals to our hospital and say thank you for showing up for work because we know you don't have to and you probably don't want to and you don't get to do anything like what you got to do before. So right. we need to say thank you for that. And the next step is to recognize that we have 110 fewer businesses here that we can measure that have left our economy since last year. And we have 400 fewer business licenses being applied for this year than in previous years. So that is a measurable shrinkage of business activity here. And we actually have to understand that and embrace it. And we have to embrace it against a backdrop of leaders are exhausted, they're brittle and fragmented, and so are the people that they're serving. And we have to understand that to build a model of thriving recovery, we have to look at the whole community holistically. We can't just say, let's get back to business and turn that money-making machine back on. We actually have to understand that uh, people who are operating businesses are operating with unprecedented stressors. They've got HR issues that they can't even get their heads around, even when their lawyers are telling them how to solve for that, which includes vaccination mandates and how we're going to do mask policies. And are we even going to bring everybody back into the office yet? Which a lot of our businesses haven't even done. And I totally respect and and understand that. But those are all decisions that somebody has to make. And that somebody is usually a leader who's pretty tired. And so we want to respect also that you know, there's disruptions because their employees might have been out with COVID or they're dealing with mental health problems because of the anxiety of managing all this. And the reality is our our brains weren't designed to withstand this much uncertainty. And so we are building a mechanism to go out into the community and ask the community, if we were to measure what mattered, what would that look like? And so we're starting in November, and we're grateful for Rollins' support of this initiative, what we call the Winter Park Prosperity Scorecard. So we know coming out of 2020, we have to really make sure that we're building an inclusive model of prosperity. So we want to measure how Winter Park's doing on inclusivity. And even if it's not doing well, we want to create a baseline ground truth that we can measure from and see, hey, we did 2% better at this than we were doing in 2021, right? And that's how we get better is we say, okay, this year we're going to be 10% better. We're going to have X percent better progress toward this. And that's really the rigor that we're trying to attach to that kind of thinking. So in the Prosperity Scorecard project, we're in the phase of pre-launch right now. We're going to launch it at our Winter Park Outlook program on November 12th. And we're going to ask the community what matters to you. Um, So we're going to say, you know, does it matter that we measure inclusive practices? Does it matter that we are trying to recruit headquartered businesses here? What would you like to see more of in terms of if we had more businesses here? What do you think it takes 
to make this place attractive to headquartered businesses? What do we need more of? What do we need to strengthen? Uh, what do we have plenty of right, right now? And so how do we reframe the strategic positioning of Winter Park so that we can attract business here because we know that when we bring in businesses that are headquartered here with what are called uh, QTI, economic development incentives, which means deferred tax benefits and such, um, we know that when our businesses who came here to do that recently did that, they couldn't furlough anyone during COVID. And that enabled us to be a little bit more resilient than we would have otherwise been. Those people are still receiving paychecks, still able to participate in our economy and don't have the ramp up, you know, lag that we're seeing ripple through our global economy right now when we have those things in place. So we're trying to think strategically and long term about resiliency and future proofing, because one of the things we've done in pre-launch is ask people, do you think there'll be another pandemic in your lifetime? And overwhelmingly, guess what they say? Don't even say it. Yes, they say yes. So I think we're foolhardy to not prep for another insult like this. And so that's what we're trying to do is go out into the broadest sections of Winter Park and appreciate what someone's version of prosperity would be that doesn't look or have the same background as I do. And so uh, we're grateful to the people that have helped steer this to this place, and we're looking forward to launching it in November. It's a great concept, a great program, and I think it'll have long-term and permanent value, right? Like even if there isn't a... Uh, another pandemic or, or you know, th- th- this is something that the, a community like Winter Park should have ongoing uh, n- no matter what. One of the topics I'm eager to hear about what happens, particularly with the prosperity scorecard, is will, will tourism or sort of community marketing, you know, emerge as a, uh, as a key indicator? Um, wh- wh- where are you? You, you? you probably, well, you really are the only entity who has done any external marketing for Winter Park. I mean, we have groups in the region, the Visit Orlando and Orlando Economic Partnership that obviously, you know, uh, help promote Winter Park in a, in a sort of a micro way, but that the Chamber's kind of taken that on at times on a more macro basis. What's the future of international or even national marketing and tourism for Winter Park? Yeah, well, the short answer on tourism is that it's going to be disrupted for Orlando's purposes. Uh, predicted through 2024. So we're in kind of a wait and see period right now in that. Having said that, we're taking specific initiatives to motivate regional guests to come here. And I'm very pleased to say that our mayor has been responsive to that. And coming out of the work that we did last year from our economic study, we formulated an economic recovery task force where we looked at specific initiatives that would drive regional visitation. The chamber has been focused on bringing in international guests um, because we feel that it's a good fit for a European guest to come feel at home in a city of our, our size and with our emphasis on culture and art. But the reality is, you know, UK visitors can't enter this country until November anyway. So we haven't been focused on that um, because it just didn't make sense resource wise. But we have been focused on regional tourism. I am pleased to say that um, our mayor has a pr- attached some significance to uh, the the kind of place branding exercise of how do we present Winter Park as a unique and identifiable brand to a guest. And the chamber has had partnerships with Visit Orlando and Visit Florida that we've leveraged successfully in the past. Um, I look forward to returning to an international marketing campaign, although it doesn't make sense at this time for us to do that. I think moving into 23, we'll probably be thinking about that. But um, right now, 
we're focused on things that make us more attractive against a backdrop of other regional destinations for people's disposable time and income. Um, We know that we sit in a basket of choice for people regionally that includes Lake Nona. That include talk about something that hadn't come around in 2016 or 2002. Right. Uh, that includes Deland. That includes Winter Garden. That includes Mount Dora. And so we have to be competitive, and we have to give a fresh look to our guests in town and to our residents. We want our residents to have something to feel excited and about just to as tell well. the story. Correct. Because I think you know, <clears throat> five, ten, ten, twenty, thirty years. Winter Park was kind of it. It was kind of the really the only unique sub market in in central florida but to your point and you just listed some great ones that's that's just not the case anymore yeah and you know people all you have to do is it turns out now is bring in a brewery and you've got an interesting place (laughs) you know i'm looking at the milk district in orlando which young people are flocking to there's new things opening there i've got a young person that works for me that's like oh betsy this is opening and there's a countdown clock on their website and i thought Wow. Okay. This is a game changer. So, you know, we do have to be aware that even though Winter Park is hegemonous and unique and will always be special, we cannot sleep while everything around us becomes suddenly interesting, right? right? We've got to be competitive. And so I'm excited about some of the interventions that we've got ahead of us, including and with a, a specific focus on the holiday season, um, you know, one of the really cool Rollins Winter Park Chamber stories is the presence of a company called AOA here in Winter Park. And in the world of themed entertainment, i.e. Disney, Universal, Global Theme Parks, they're a giant. But they're a little tiny sleepy business here in Winter Park. People don't even know or can believe that they're here in Winter Park. If you go to their headquarters, you'll see the amazing stagecraft that they're building and and all kinds of innovation that's going on there. And they're led by a Crummer graduate, Denise Hatcher, who I've met through my association with Rollins. Uh, supporting the undergraduate business department as an advisory board member there. So um, AOA is building out our Christmas installation, sorry, holiday installations um, at Christmas time. And we are going to have such an integrated, cool themed entertainment piece in Central Park that includes three-dimensional vintage Christmas cards that you and your family can step into to take Instagram pictures. They're going to be all through Central Park, Shady Park, and we'll have some installation of decorations around Orange Avenue as well. So we're really looking forward to things like that. That'll be so cool. So nice. So you you mentioned um, her her background with Rollins and Crummer. Talk a little bit from your experience and your seat and role. How how does having Rollins – you know, in this community, part of your chamber help, you know, this kind of community in, in general and maybe the region. But, you know, the show's called Rollins Around Town. So from your seat, where, where is Rollins Around Town? So Rollins Around Town is all around town, right? <laughs> and we absolutely are joined at the hip with Rollins. One of the things that we're grateful to, to Rollins is the way that they support the overall work that we do. Rollins is an amazing trustee member and sponsor of a lot of what we do. Um, Rollins helps give leadership and gravitas to the business community itself. But Rollins also contributes in ways that people might not have thought about. And that is, for example, 
Rollins keen focus and alignment to the art world. Uh, and so one of the advocacy points that we take at the state level is we actually go to Tallahassee during session and advocate for an increase in matching arts funds. And Rollins this year is sponsoring that event. Um, and we are thrilled to, in turn, add value to the presence of Rollins as a leader in the art space in Winter Park. And so those are ways in which we're intertwined. Um, but we get a lot of fantastic labor from Rollins students at the chamber. And we have an internship program at, at the chamber. And if you're listening to this as a student, um, we're really easy to find at winterpark.org. And you can look me up and send me your resume, and I'd love to hear from you. So we've got extremely talented young people that have come to work for us um, and have added value with lots of creativity and imagination and work ethic. And what I love is is a global perspective. We've had several international students come and work for us as interns, and we always appreciate the diversity of that perspective because, of course, we're right here in Winter Park and not out there. So. Right. <clears throat> we have a lot of ways that that Rollins adds value. I think the thought leadership piece, um, you know, we're next week hearing from President Cornwell. He's going to come speak at Good Morning Winter Park. So in terms of thought leadership, partnerships, students, um, you know, the kinds of activities that you all have on your campus that we can promote, Annie Russell Theater, your speaker series, um, you know, the unveiling of the Mr. Rogers statue, which is itself going to be an economic driver for Winter Park. These are all ways that we are thrilled to be partnered and can't imagine Rollins without Winter Park or Winter Park without Rollins. So these are um, are things that are always at the top of my mind is, is Rollins is a lead investor in yeah. what we're doing here. I, I love how you say that, that lead investor. And, and Mayor Anderson said it when he was a guest on, on this show, not on our show last week, but I asked him a similar type question. He said, I think Rollins probably helped Winter Park get through the recession and the pandemic certainly far better than, than the community would have without it. I mean, just the financial impact, even though it was, was less across the board, you still have this inherent population of faculty, staff, and students and alumni who are, who are contributors. And, um, and that probably helps the business community maybe more than even I you know, directly thought of, but uh, certainly more than anybody else in the community did. But I just think about the interesting germination of ideas that's happening here down the street from my office all the time. And as I said, I serve um, in support of the undergraduate business department. Um, Dr. Tim Pett leads that extremely well yep. and has put together a faculty. And I am probably, and I'm, I'm, I think of myself as a global citizen. I lived in London for five years, and I really cherish the times I get to be around uh, foreign nationals, which is not as easy to do in Winter Park as it was in London. And never am I with a higher concentration of global thinkers and foreign nationals than I am when I'm at those meetings. And yeah. that was certainly the case. We're at the president's house Sunday night for a reception. And I just cherish that because I think that kind of perspective is so helpful to me as a leader. I never want to be in an echo chamber thinking, oh, well, it's all happening here in Winter Park and I don't need any ideas from out there. I really do. And so that's one of the, the small town things that's happening here that feels small and approachable, but is actually quite leading in the yeah. way that it's present presenting that kind of thinking to, you know, from the world to Winter Park. Yeah. Uh, we've said the word leadership a handful of times. I think one of the great programs that the chamber leads is Leadership Winter Park and uh, and the Youth Leaders Program. Um, kind of getting towards the end, but share a little bit about both of those programs. I know um, Rollins 
you know, greatly benefits from, from those programs, being able to, number one, share our story and our value proposition with youth leaders, these emerging sophomores, juniors, and seniors in high schools or throughout the region, to tell them about Rollins, whether they come here or not, just to have them know sort of the importance and the prestige of an academic institution like this in their backyard is, is nice and important. And then the leadership program, you know, to have our senior and, and mid um, staff at, uh, be able to engage in the community is just incredibly valuable. Well, thank you for those kind words. I'm incredibly proud of our programs team that puts on a high quality uh, experience and we measure that. So we survey everything we do and we know that the, that our stakeholders in that uh, get value out of that. But what's interesting to me is that we actually surveyed our current Leadership Winter Park class, which is the 32nd year that we've done Amazing. Leadership Winter Park. And when we, one of the things we surveyed them about was their long-term association with Winter Park. And 84% of them have a long-term association to Winter Park, either in that they were born here, they've lived here for a long time, they lived here, moved away, and came back, something like that. And yet, especially on the R-Town Day, when they went over to the west side of Winter Park and learned about the Heritage Center and the really blemished history of Winter Park that involved a literal segregation of races in its plaiting, um, people need to know that that's part of our history so that we never repeat it. And so it's uh, it's interesting how few of them actually attach to the detail and the richness of that experience. And I hear every year people say, I've lived here my whole life and I never knew the following things that I learned through Leadership Winter Park. But it's not just a... Um, a data dump about here's Winter Park. It's actually leadership training because we want to inform and equip people to be change makers in the region. And so this is about what do you need to know to do that? And some of the things you need to know are things about yourself. So we've right. added elements of the curriculum like the Strengths Finder assessment and really put in a kind of action plan at the end of it so that people can activate this new awareness they have of themselves and their community and challenge them to think about what is your next step? How are you going to plug in and be that difference maker that this community needs? And I think one of the key things we can do as an organization is raise up leaders and we can raise them up from the high school level and we can invest in them. And I'm always thrilled at the, the I call them college kids, but they're actually adults, so I probably shouldn't call them that. But <laughs> they come back to us and they stay with us and we contribute to their progress and mentoring them. And I think that's an important role for us to play as a leading organization in Winter Park. And then with Leadership Winter Park, we see people go on to run for office in Winter yeah. Park. And we see people go on to, to connect businesses in a powerful way. Um, and we really appreciate being able, I think that's one of the key ways we live out our mission promise, that convention right. of people once a month for one day a month to learn about themselves and their, their community to make a difference is really important. I talked about it earlier, but but you just mentioned the the, the convention, the convening. Um, that was probably really the almost the only goal of the chamber back when I was running it. It was just to bring people together, to hope that you and me and ten others would sit there and we'd all say, "Hey, maybe we can do business together." I think that was just kind of the it. And and I mentioned that your mom gave the chamber the courage to be far more relevant than that when the city wanted to create its own electrical uh, power and utility. And she's the one that said the chamber needs to take a position and be relevant and take a stand and fight for something in essence. 
And boy, as an entity, as an organization, I was new and I kind of loved the idea just because I'm not afraid of a good fight, especially if I have Lydia Gardner on my team. But a lot of other people sort of just didn't like that role and that concept. So I, I always give Lydia credit for repositioning the chamber into a relevant organization. We, f we fought a fight. We, we took on Progress Energy, not because we didn't like them, but because we thought it was right for the city of Winter Park. Uh, we lost about $25,000 in funding. Uh, and as you can appreciate, that's a ton of money. It's for, a lot of money for, for our the, organization. For the chamber. <laughs> and um, so um, Lydia, you know, amongst other things, deserves a lot of credit for that. We, we also can't, you know, uh, forget to mention the other piece of the uh, of the family who uh, who has had a part Do in we your. Have to? We have to just briefly because we're running out of time. <laughs> but your brother Chris Gardner also served as the chamber chairman for for a uh, for a spell and has been a good loyal member with uh, Hub Florida, the ins insurance company. So, and I'm joking. My brother is an amazing leader. He and is I'm super grateful to have him as a mentor confidant guide we we talk about a lot of business issues together and he's an extremely gifted business leader i'm very 100%, grateful 100 percent. well good so check that box right um so I'll, i'm going to ask you one last question is what's what's your what's your snap your finger wish you know dream for the chamber right if you could just snap your finger and, and just it would happen right away like what, what 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 is that for you as the ceo of the chamber today well, I think it's important that we lead, as you talk about, you know, we can look back now and say, why would anyone oppose our buying our poles and wires and having mm -hmm. our own electric system, especially when the one that we had worked so poorly? It was not uncommon back in those days for your VCR, remember your VCR, to be <laughs> blinking every afternoon because there was a power cut nearly every afternoon in the summer in Winter Park right. because we just did not have the infrastructure to withstand all of those rainstorms and our current provider had not invested in the infrastructure to keep that from happening so it made perfect sense and yet there were people who were fear-mongered into believing that when we had a hurricane no one was going to come help us if we bought our poles and wires and i guess my biggest wish is that we could occupy a place where we could start to um, measure objectively progress and success in Winter Park, and we could get past some of the binary system of winners and losers in Winter Park, and we could start creating a more collaborative dialogue about how to actually bring a successful, prosperous outcome for Winter Park, and that we could look holistically at those things that would make Winter Park more desirable, more relevant. And I do think we all have a burden to think about relevancy. Rollins does every yeah. day. I can see yeah, in the yeah. way you're innovating things. We do. Everybody does. And I hate to be blunt about this, but it's an innovate or die kind of world that we're in. And I've said that already. I think that Winter Park does need to innovate. I think the chamber my wish would be that we lead that innovation, but that we lead it in a way that creates partnership instead of division. Right. That's beautiful. Well, I think you're doing that. And um, I think that you have done an amazing job in a very short period of time of making the chamber even more relevant and more innovative. And I'm convinced you'll go down in history as one of the top two CEOs in Winter Park Chamber history. Yeah, I'll never beat that Sam Stark. <laughs> That's going to be the, the clear sure. historical winner. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Betsy, you're the best. Uh, you're a great friend. You're a great leader. And uh, I love having you here and uh, just being on your team, too. So thanks for uh, thanks for being with us today for Rollins Around Town. I'm really grateful. Thanks for the chance to be here. 
Special thanks to Angel, our awesome uh, Rollins student, who's our marketing coordinator and board operator for the show. Uh, keep updated on all of our shows and guests. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, we thank Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, and we wish you a great day in Winter Park.